Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Roll Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. There is certainly one very positive aspect of all of the governmental challenges that we talk about on a regular basis, and that aspect is that it brings birds of a feather to flock together. And it were not for all of the stupid things that the federal government does to try to control people, I wouldn't have met Rebecca Terrell. Life wouldn't be the same. And I met a whole plethora of people that have made my life better. Today, it's all about Rebecca. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm very good. Doing doing fine. How are you? I'm fabulous. I get to visit with you. What could be better? Absolutely. I'm very excited to be on your show, and I appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much. Uh, before we get into this, I do have to say that, you know, I mentioned to you that every Friday we wear a red shirt. And Rebecca, as much as you're in the know, you don't know why I wear a red shirt on Friday? Well, I, I have crimson on, so I, I guess I'm joining you a little bit in spirit. But um, <laughs> see, I'm Catholic, and so I would assume Sacred Heart for Friday. No, I, I'm I'm not Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Methodist anymore either after the last 30 days. But anyway, uh, <laughs> at, at the end of World War II, the ladies auxiliary for the VFW suggested every Friday, every man, woman, and child should wear a red shirt to say thank you to the men and women returning, returning from the beaches of France and Italy and the South Pacific. And so when I found out that the VFW, the ladies auxiliary of the VFW did that at the World War II, and I, I found that out at Portales, New Mexico at Cannon Air Force Base about 20 years ago. I thought we should wear a red shirt every Friday. So every Friday since then, I've worn a red shirt to say thank you to the men and women who have been there to protect our freedom for 247 years. That's a beautiful sentiment. I love that. And I'm glad I'm wearing crimson, which is in the red family. <laughs> Yeah, well, we had that whole Razorback discussion, and we don't need to relive that. But you should be wearing red every day, like, right? <laughs> I am a I am a Razorback. Sometimes you have to be a closet Razorback because they do crazy things. But yes, but I live in Tennessee. I don't bleed orange, though. I bleed red. Yeah, I, I was just humored by the way that you said uh, I'm a closet Razorback because sometimes you got to hide. You should never hide, Rebecca. You should always be proud, despite what's going on, and be part of the solution. That's right. Absolutely right. So but sometimes we... the Razorbacks do make us <laughs> hang our heads a little bit. <laughs> I, I've spoken in Fayetteville quite a bit. Usually it's got something to do with a chicken. That makes there's, sense. There's a couple of oh. chickens around there, and it's a great poultry school. I have a little devil cat sitting in my lap by the way if, I, if you see <laughs> he is trying to get me she is just all claws and teeth so if you see me wince that's why so the cat that you're holding in your hand is a little jealous that you're not giving the cat the same attention you're giving me is that what you're saying well she's not a you know you want a lap kitty and she's the only reason she wants to be in your lap is to attack your fingers with mm. her little teeth and claws. So anyway, she's, yeah, yes, she's young. She has a lot to learn. As a young student at the University of Arkansas, what were your aspirations in life? 
my aspirations in life. Um, I, you know what? I, I think that it's really a mistake to let kids of that age choose their own path. I really <laughs> like the idea of the old apprenticeship and the, you know, the um, yeah. father, the parents are very much involved in choosing both um, career paths as well as spouses for, for their children. Um, that makes a lot more sense than letting an 18 year old decide this is what I want to do. Um, you know, now if only, you know, they say youth is wasted on the young. I studied, uh, business, which was a uh, wasted, you know, pretty much a waste of time. But then later on went back to nursing school. And of course, nursing school is, is very much worthwhile. And, um, I'm very glad to have that knowledge that that's the, that's the useful knowledge I look back on in school. Is having so, but you know, I was raised in a I was raised in a John Birch Society household. I'm a second gen- generation John Birch Society member. So, um, and like I said before, I'm Catholic, and I'm even it's even worse. I'm actually traditional Catholic. I'm one of those Latin Mass Catholics that the Pope's trying to suppress now. So, I've just lived my life as a rebel. <laughs> I guess I guess you can say my. My aspirations in life have always been to seek the truth and buck the system if it doesn't seem to me hmm. to be adhering to that truth. Well, I'm glad there's some things in your youth you haven't grown out of. No, I, I haven't. Yeah. I'm really stuck. Exactly. I, I I never rebelled. I was never a rebellious teenager. Okay, even so though it's well, funny. As a bircher and as a Latin mass Catholic, you're by definition a rebel. <laughs> All right, so you just said three things that – this might be a week-long series because you're just bringing up things that are going to be crazy. All right, first of all, <laughs> as an 18-year-old, we celebrate independence, and we just got all, all these wild ideas about the future and how we're going to do what we're going to do. Sure. And as a 56-year-old father of three, I've suddenly decided that you're right, what you just said, that we should pick the path and the spouse, and I'm all about arranged marriages now, and I'm all about this is what you're going to do. This is where you're going to live. No, you're not going to live in College Station, Texas. You're going to live in Nebraska the rest of your life. Funny how time changes you in that regard. It is. You see the wisdom of the old ways of doing things and how they, you know, the the enlightenment period when, you know, tear down all the old, all the strictures and uh yeah, I got to be me. I got to be free. You know, that, that kind of attitude oh, works so well. And as evidence, ah, oh, she is biting me like crazy. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I got to say, Rebecca, I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. in 20 years of doing roll route, I believe it's the first person that on air has ever said, oh, she's biting me. <laughs> it's a first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word. And now so I, I threw it down on the floor. I didn't throw her. I was kind. Don't worry. Um, Great. Now you got the sheriff the showing up because three animal rights organizations in Tennessee are filing a complaint <laughs> that you're abusing a cat while on the air. <laughs> exactly. Now she's tackling my feet. So anyway. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to we're, do the. We're back stall. to controlling kids and arranging marriages. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Second thing is you mentioned the Pope. I wouldn't have brought this up, but you opened the door. So I'm going to go there. And and that is there are many things about the Catholic Church, not necessarily at the local level, but at the global level 
and even at the national level that are quite concerning today. You obviously understand the Pope does not have your best best interest at heart. How do you rationalize still being a part of the Catholic Church? Because I think a lot of people are wrestling with that. Yeah, it is a great question. Um, you have to remember that the church herself, the holy, we call her Holy Mother Church, is the deposit of faith. And that was the deposit of faith is something that ended with the last, the death of the last apostle, uh, St. John, and who wrote the apocalypse. Uh, and so there is no, that is the deposit of faith that is unchangeable. It is a rock. As Jesus said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That he didn't say the gates of hell wouldn't try to prevail against it. And of course, naturally, you know, of course, anything that Jesus built, Satan is going to have in his crosshairs, right? So, and we've had a lot of bad popes in the past, and I believe right now we have a bad pope too. Um, uh, I'm not even sure that he was duly elected. Pope, there are questions about that actual conclave, um, but I don't have the authority to rule on that. I'm, uh, to tell you the truth, my practice of the Catholic faith doesn't depend upon who the particular Pope happens to be. The job of the Pope and all of the uh, prelates of the Catholic Church is to guard that deposit of faith. And anytime they go against that deposit of faith, we as Catholics are bound to not obey them. And you have to remember, too, the doc- there's a doctrine of papal infallibility that was declared in the 1800s at Vatican Council I, which was a doctrinal council. Um, that does not mean that every word out of the Pope's mouth is dogma. That It means that only when the Pope is teaching something ex cathedra as dogma of the church that all Catholics must believe, that and that does not, that has happened very, very rarely in the history of the Catholic Church. Um, the last time it happened was in the 1950s. Pius Twelfth declared the dogma of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, um, again, what, what he was doing was he was not making new law. He was declaring something that Catholics had always believed and said, okay, the, I'm settling any question because people had started to debate it. And he said, no, I'm settling any question. This has always been part of the faith. Uh, again, any time a pope declares dogma, he is not creating new laws. He is just confirming what Catholics have always believed and saying and settling any debate on the subject. He is guarding that original deposit of faith that we know as the Bible, the scriptures, which are divinely inspired and declared so, incidentally, by the church in 397 A.D. at another at another doctrine. Rebecca Terrell, I've got to interrupt because we're going to a break. She's with the New American. We'll get to that in a moment. First, more roll out after this. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce, alongside Rebecca Terrell coming to us from Tennessee, although she's not an orange believer. She still believes in that University of Arkansas. Okay. Uh, uh, back to this topic of the Pope, which I think is very relevant because I clearly remember, and there was a name for it, and you'll tell me what it was in a moment, but there was a white paper that came out authored by this Pope that was talking about meat-eating climate crisis we had to change our ways we're creating this monster in terms of an environment and i had so i have so many friends so many close friends that are members of the catholic church they called me and they said what is going on what is wrong with this guy he has completely lost his mind and if you look back at what was in that paper everything that he wrote about 
some leg- legislative or policymaking body has tried to put into play. It was really kind of like the term of the day, predictive programming on where we're at in 2023. Right. And um, there was a there was a biography of Pope Francis that came out shortly. Uh, it was either right before or right after he was elected pope, but very complimentary of him. Uh, the authors of it interviewed him for it extensively. He talked about his days in the seminary. Now, when he was back in the seminary in South America, uh, he was not allowed, the, the Catholic Church did not allow its seminarians to belong officially to any political party. But he talks about that time. He says he was a Peronist. He, he wasn't actually officially a member of the Peronist party because um, the church wouldn't allow it. But um, that he was back then and he still is today. He has not changed. That's what he said about himself. Well, Perrin is that we're talking about Juan and Eva Perón, who were communists. I mean, Peronist is just the Argentinian version of communism, right? And so right there, he declared I, I always to, called it the Argentina version of Obama, but besides, I, I digress. Well, you know, but hey, we just repeat ourselves, right? We do. And so, exactly. And so um, you have to remember, he has already openly declared himself to be of the communist persuasion, right? And um Two, you have to remember every word, again, like what I was saying before, every word out of the mouth of the Pope is not is not uh, infallible. That's a, a common misconception that people have about the Catholic Church. Um, only very rarely is in papal infallibility invoked, and that is when a, a Pope is teaching dogma from, uh, they call it from the throne, ex cathedra, mm-hmm. Um and you, you remember, too, we know even from the Bible, St. Paul rebuked the first pope, St. Peter, to his face. He said because he was to be condemned because what he was teaching was error. He was saying that any Gentiles who wanted to become Catholic, who wanted to become Christian, uh, had to first adhere to Jewish practices, for instance, circumcision. And St. Paul was like, no, no, that's absolutely wrong. And he withstood him to his face because he was to be condemned. Yet he didn't, you know, throw the baby out with bathwater and say, okay, you're not Pope anymore. You know, Uh, so he acknowledged him to be the Pope, but he said, you're teaching error. And St. Peter did the right thing. He humbled himself and said, you're right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And they've, you know, fixed all that up. But other people have rebuked the popes in the past. Look at St. Catherine of Siena during the Great Schism, and she, the popes had, had left Rome, and she rebuked the pope to his face. She said, get back to Rome where you're supposed to be and, and take care of the church. And so, and many, we have many examples like that. And, you know, everybody says Pope Benedict XVI, God rest his soul, who just recently passed away. Uh, everybody says he was so, you know, traditional and this great savior of, of tradition in the church. Well, no, he was very uh, progressive, too. In fact, he earned the appellation of the Green Pope because mm-hmm. of all of his environmental activism. Uh, that's that's not good. You know, and so as Catholics, we are not bound. We are all, not only are we not bound to follow po- the popes in these ridiculous modernist tendencies that they have. But um, we are also bound to rebuke them and say, no, this is is not against that. The problem is that when you talk about the green movement, when you talk about Perón, when you talk about Hitler, when you talk about communism, 
every single one of them had the same concept. They worshipped the creation instead of the creator. And that, at the end of the day, is where you have to draw the line, in my mind. That's a great way to sum it up. Um, They do. And, you know, it really goes back to, you can trace this all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Satan said, you will be like, God. oh, you won't die. You'll be like God's the, the big lie, mm-hmm. big lie. Now that really is, they set themselves up as gods. I mean, the pharaohs of ancient Egypt thought that they were gods and the Caesars of Rome thought they were gods. And now we have the World Economic Forum and Yuval Noah Harari, who is the top advisor to Klaus Schwab of World Economic Forum, has openly said, uh, you know, on the stage at Davos, um, we're, we are engineering the future of human life uh, through intelligent design. And he mocked God. He said, not the intelligent design of some God above the clouds, but our intelligent design, which is stored in the cloud. He, that's an actual quote from him. So, I mean, it's just history repeating itself. And, you know, another thing that I want to point out about history repeating itself, the Bible is, if you read the Old Testament, it's the continual cycle of people falling into idolatry and sin and debauchery and all this. And God allows and evil oppressive government to come and enslave the people and then they finally wake up and they repent and they humble themselves and he frees them from that slavery so right now we're at that bottom trough of that same cycle that keeps repeating itself because we just refuse to learn from history rebecca isn't that the best peril between the bible and god's word and the constitution of the united states is that God gives you the opportunity to make a bad decision. It, it point blank says you must be a dutiful servant of me and work your way out of this servitude instead of expecting me to just take care of it. And in today's world, we have too many people that are sitting back waiting for some savior, to, other than Jesus, by the way, to come and take us out of servitude. We must be dutiful citizens. We must be dutiful servants of God and take care of this ourselves, not expect somebody to do it for us. So true. You know, you, I think before we, we started recording um, our show here, you mentioned the Great Plains book that you've read. The Great Plains, um, the Encyclopedia of the Great Plains. Encyclopedia of the Great Plains. And it tells the story of those people who were not, they would have, they would have fought actively against any nanny state. And we are so accustomed to the nanny state. It's we're not the land of the free and the home of the brave anymore. We're the land of the, you know, just thumb suckers. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to say, you know, and we need to get back. I was going to say the complacent, but I'm going to start using thumb suckers. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I don't mean to, I don't mean no, to. Don't apologize. You're not going to be invited um, back if you apologize. <laughs> Well, I don't mean to insult anyone, but honestly, you know, we we need to teach our children uh, the encyclopedia of the Great Plains in school. They need to, Mm, they need to realize this is, you're put here, you're given two hands and two legs to do something, not to be, not to sit around and, you know, play video games and, and be taken care of. And a brain. And a brain. Two hands, two legs and a brain, which was meant for discernment. We need a little more discernment, Rebecca. Amen. Amen to that. So did you have any idea we'd spend half of our time talking about your belief in the Catholic Church and everything you need to fix? I 
had no idea that we would that we would Me do either. that. But I hope it's been yeah. edifying in some respect. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go. I don't think that word's in my Great Plains Encyclopedia. I'm going to have to look that up in like Webster or something. Edifying. <laughs> Use all these uppity words that originate in Arkansas with me. Oh, no. All right. So we're going to take a break. We're at halftime already. Man, time flies with you. I noticed that in Fort Dodge. But uh, when we come back, I have to ask you about the John Birch Society because I've been somewhat flabbergasted. Number one, until the Arise USA tour, I wasn't really in tune with the John Birch Society. And now my most common statement that I hear somebody say is, I can't believe I'm working with the John Birch Society. What's that all about? We're going to find out. And then, like I said last time before I went to a break, we're going to talk about The New American because that's actually what we're really going to talk about, not necessarily the publication, the distribution of information, The New American. Are you in? Are you out? More Roll Route after this. Folks, every day I'm telling you about reliable electricity. That comes from coal, natural gas. We've demonized both of those. The state of Minnesota has made a point of saying, we're going to go net carbon zero on our electric grid. Well, I just got a note sent to me from Hope Minnesota Elevator, where I stopped and did a broadcast, thanks to Steve Ressler's guidance and consultation. And today they've sent out a note that because of a power shortage, the elevator, will main elevator, will be shut down for a period of time throughout the course of the day. We have reached that point in time. We've reached the critical mass, particularly in states that have had stupidity driving policy, moving away from coal. Minnesota relies upon North Dakota coal to generate electricity. And when we continue to charge down this path of eliminating coal as a source of energy, you're going to have to deal with regular blackouts, no electricity, shortage of electricity. Lignite.com for details. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Luce, Rebecca Terrell, my guest. I'm contemplating during that break. You're a much better interviewer than I am. Maybe you should just host a show the rest of the time today. I'm a better interviewer than you are? Yeah. I I would have to contest that. (laughs) Oh, how are we going to settle it? We have an interview competition? (laughs) If we had an interview competition, you would win hands down. Oh, Rebecca, quit being so modest. (laughs) <laughs> and and I failed at the beginning of the program. And this is the kind of stuff that good interviews do beforehand. See, I'm in, we have already completed half the show and I don't even tell people what your official title is. What do we refer to you as? Well, I am the senior, I'm one of the senior editors of the new American magazine, which is the uh, magazine of the John Birch society. So yes, that tells you, tells you what my um, politics are. <laughs> I believe in a two-party system, and one of those parties is the Republican Democrat. <laughs> Don't you have to be old to be a senior editor? I know. Well, I think it's because I have the, the, the hair really helped out with the senior. Are you coloring your hair gray to make it look like you're older than you really are? Well, actually, I, I don't want people to know I'm a blonde, so, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we better get back to the John Birch Society. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to walk you through this because we're on the Arise USA tour. I don't know how much you know about that. It doesn't matter at this moment in time. But we spent 57 days on the road, uh, Kevin Jenkins and I, and it was the the idea of Robert David Steele. And we had events in 37 states. It was incredible. Kevin Jenkins and I became just brothers 
there were many people that made this event tremendous, but it was about faith, family, and freedom. We covered the, the nation coast to coast. And I'll never forget in Montana, somebody came up to me and they said, Trent, can I have a few words on the program today? Because I organized all of the events. And I said, can I have a few minutes on the program today about the John Birch Society? I said, well, what's the John Birch Society really about? Faith, family, and freedom. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, why not? And there were several people who said, I can't believe I'm teaming up with the John Birch Society. And I was like, why everything I'm hearing is what I believe. The Constitution matters, that we are are granted rights by God, that the founding fathers protected through the Constitution for us. And it's up to us to be that dutiful citizen to make it happen. And it's like, where did this negative stigma come about the John Birch Society and what did I miss? Right. CIA. The CIA is the one who coined the, the derogatory term conspiracy theorist, because that is what Robert Welch founded the John Birch Society in 1958. And you can read the blue book of the John Birch Society, which was his original speech that he gave um, founding the organization. And uh, he he says in it, we are fighting the communists. That is all. And of course, mm-hmm. back in the fifties, it was known by communism. That was, that was the name. And since then it's become the new world order. And now it's the great reset of the world economic forum, but it's all the same. It's a uh, world government tyranny, you know, under, uh, under one world government and, uh, enslavement of all of us and ultimately depopulation to the mouth, the Malthusian, uh, goals of depopulation. But, um, you know, back in, back in the sixties, when John Burt's society was riding high and it was because the major media was slamming the organization whenever it could Mm -hmm. with all these conspiracy theories. And it was actually advertising, even bad advertising is good advertising, right? And the membership in the John Burt's society was just exploding. And then the major media went silent. And that is, John Burt's society is still, uh, of course, alive and well, but nothing like back in the old smear campaign days. I, I wish that they'd start smearing us again to tell you the truth, because the, a lot of times the reaction that I get is they're still around. You know, I didn't know JBS was still around and a lot of people don't haven't even ever heard of it. So, um, but yeah, we've never stopped in our, uh, sorry, she's everywhere <laughs> this morning. Are we you have getting never bitten stopped. And clawed again? I am. So yeah. I have little, little razor marks all over <laughs> all over me but um we've never stopped in that one goal of defeating communism or under any of its names you know and under, under any name that it appears one world government united nations all of mm-hmm. this in fact i worked um in the 1990s i worked for congressman ron paul and i'm the one who authored his hr 1146 to get us out of the united nations of course, I say I authored it. What I did was I found every bill that had been introduced since 1945 to get us out of the United Nations. And I took all the good parts from all those bills and came up with the American Sovereignty Restoration Act. And I think it has been introduced in every single Congress since then. That was back, like I said, in the 1990s. But um, there, there are other congressmen since him who have taken up that torch and so people are waking up. And again, I'm not glad COVID happened, but the one silver lining to that dark cloud is that it will put people up. And now conspiracy theory isn't such a derogatory term anymore. Well, particularly when the conspiracy theory actually happens, <laughs> it turns into a conspiracy, not a theory. That's right. Exactly. Uh, 
Ron Paul, let's talk about him for a moment because I've always appreciated his stance standing up. Nobody's been a, a, a greater steward and constant uh, champion of the Constitution in our lifetime than Ron Paul, in my mind. I don't know anybody. But then he would always follow that up with, and we should not have our young men and women around the world fighting these wars. We should not be doing that. And I was of that thought process that you need to protect your country. And if you need to protect your country off the soil and on the soil, that's what you need to do. And as we said here in July of 2023, Rebecca Terrell, I fully understand what he was talking about because all of these wars are somebody's, some big banking company, big banking families attempt at creating more tyranny instead of protecting the loyalty of our country. And I take nothing away. And I wear a red shirt every Friday because I so appreciate every sacrifice that every family has made for 247 years. But in many cases, these men and women have just been pawns in a big chess game that we're not winning. Right. Exactly. Well, you have to remember it was, um, uh, let me see, William Boyce Thompson and Jacob Schiff, who were American financiers who financed Leon Trotsky and, and Vladimir Lenin. Uh, you have to remember the, the um, Communist Manifesto was printed in London and it was not funded by the working peasants of Germany or the, the peasants of Russia. It was funded by financiers in England. Um, actually, Karl Marx had been kicked out of Germany and France because of his uh revolutionary tendencies. So he was living in exile there. Um, ever since in 1930, the international financiers, including Americans, founded the Bank of International Settlements, which is headquartered in Basel, Switzerland. There's a great book called The Tower of Basel about this. It has financed every war, both sides of every war since World War II. Keyword, um, both sides. Yes. Both sides. And um, it is actually not subject to the laws of any nation or state. It is its profits are tax free. It was behind the launch of the euro in 2002. Very interesting history there. We know our own it's, uh, 20 years before that, in 1910, uh, financiers got together at Jekyll Island, Georgia, to plan the Federal Reserve System, which is not an arm of the federal government. It is a private banking cartel that hijacked our gold reserves and gave us a fiat currency. They literally made money to make it useless. And um, so, yes, we, and of course there's the Rothschilds and the, and the Rockefellers and we could go into all that. We probably don't have time. That'll be another show for another day. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for, I, was, I wasn't distracted while you were talking. I was looking for a picture that was actually a poster on the tube in London that a dear friend of mine, Teresa Thibodeau, who she ran for governor a year ago in Nebraska. I ran as her lieutenant governor with her, but she was in London with her family a month ago and sent me a picture from the tube because it was a poster. It had Karl Marx picture on it. He was pointing at you and said, communism, don't you think it's time now? And then there was a little place for you to do the, uh, what's that fancy term these kids all call it? Uh, a Q Q QR code to do a QR code to get more information about signing up for the communist party right now, uh, right now in everybody's face. I'll tell you a little point of a little trivia in history. That's very significant that we overlook. It was a 1917, the Bolshevik revolution. It was 1922 when the Soviet union was formally established. 
1922, August 22nd of that year, is also the date that the Michigan uh, law enforcement raided the secret convention of the Communist Party of the United States of America, and they had literally barrels full of documentation that proved that communist agents from from Russia, from Moscow, had already infiltrated every branch of our United States government, every trade union, labor union, agricultural union, uh, all the colleges, universities, uh, schools, uh, news or news outfits, media, stage and screen. Uh, they were already prolific, and it was just uh, like the year before that that the CFR had been founded, the Council on Foreign Relations, and their logo says it all. It has a, a banner on it that says Ubique, which is Latin for everywhere, meaning we are already everywhere. And we know that the CFR is the gives everybody their marching orders. Hillary Clinton said that when she was Secretary of State. They opened, I think it was 2010, they opened a an office in Washington, D.C., and she said, oh, thank goodness they're here. I won't have to go as far to to be told what I'm supposed to be doing, because at that point she had to go up to New York to their meetings. Yeah. So, well, you know, I, I mean. I wouldn't want Hillary to travel any farther than she has to. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we are suffering from a deplorable lack of understanding of our of history, and this this, I, I think this sentiment of, oh, well, that can't possibly be true. I know. You are bad. Well, I, yeah. Rebecca, I wrote a three-part series in my columns in the High Plains Journal about Stalin, about the Bolshevik Revolution. Everybody wants to focus on Hitler. All through history, we learned about Hitler and Germany and the Nazis, and we didn't really get at the core of what was going on there. You don't start at Stalin or before. You, you don't, maybe even Lenin. But um, what Stalin did is exactly, exactly what we're subscribing to today. Those people in that time voted to be con- go into a communist country. They voted for it because they were afraid not to think about right. that as we take a break Rebecca Terrell my guest I'll be the guest when we come back if she'll take over lead the interviewer more after this I'd like to suggest that you come to the Charles City Iowa meeting Monday night July 31st Midwest Property Rights Coalition partnering with the Free Soil Coalition the coalitions are coming together and that's when the counties take over we're going to talk about property rights July 31st more details about this meeting at Free Soil Coalition See you in Charles City, Monday night, July 31st, freesoilcoalition.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce, alongside Rebecca Terrell. Actually, I'm not going to. Here's the deal. I just screwed up, Rebecca. I I never interview anybody. I just have conversations. We got to have a, that's what you and I did in Fort Dodge. We just had a conversation. That, That makes for the best, the most interesting Material, I think. It does. Just bring you, the listener, into the conversation. That's what we do. Uh, so where do we go from here, Miss Conversationalist? New well, American Magazine. Let's talk about that before we run out of time, because I can see you and I are going to get lost in a lot of holes, a lot of rabbit right. trails. Um, right. What is New American Magazine? What are you doing? And how do we find you? Well, our tagline is that freedom shall not perish. And what we try to do, we aren't actually, we aren't the source that is going to bring you the breaking news. What we're going to do is do kind of the Paul Harvey thing and, and tell you the, the other side of the story, the rest of the story, the truth behind the news. 
and and trace this ongoing agenda of yes, the the master conspiracy, which does go back to the Garden of Eden when when Satan said, "Oh no, you won't die. You'll be like gods." And and honestly, it is it ultimately at its heart, it is a spiritual battle. But as you've pointed out, and you point out so often, Trent, even though it's spiritual, we have to get down and dirty in the in the dark and get our get our hands dirty um yes we have to pray uh, and prayer is manly action it should not be left just to the women and the children uh prayer is we need that humility to have god's graces in our country but once you're finished praying god expects you to get up and go do something you don't sit there and pray that god will mow your lawn for you and wait for him to do it no you pray that god will give you the the strength to be able to do that for yourself right and so the, that's what the new American is all about, the um, uh, exposing the conspiracy and what they're trying to do to us, the, the enslavement that they have planned for us and ultimately the depopulation that they have planned for us. And um, you can find us at the new dot com, all one word uh, without any dashes or anything like that. And um you can also subscribe to the print magazine, but we, we have most, most of our materials are available online. And I'll also encourage people to go to jbs.org, which is our parent company, the John Birch Society. And you can find out a lot of information there and especially action items because we're not just about, we're not one of those meet, eat and retreat kind of groups. It's, we don't want to just complain about what's going on. We want to say, okay, here are the solutions. And the solutions are actually pretty simple. It is amazing, for instance, the amount of power that a that your sheriff that your county sheriff has he has absolute power under the constitution he takes an oath to uphold the u.s constitution when he takes office and that is because it is his duty to prevent anyone from federal or state level from coming in and doing anything in your in his district that is against that constitution that violates your god-given constitutionally protected rights for instance these carbon capture pipeline companies coming in and doing these surveys on farmland without the farmer's permission. What, what are we, are we Soviet Russia or are we the United States of America? Right. They don't even have a permit to complete the project and yet they're on land illegally doing surveys. And it was not too long ago in South Dakota that the legislature passed a bill that allowed that to happen. As long as you have a, an active license before the public utilities commission. That needs to be struck down. Actually, in Iowa, they passed a similar thing, and it was struck down by a judge recently, and nobody knows about that. Uh, I mean, we're trying to get the word out, uh, obviously, but um, absolutely unconstitutional measures. And the sheriff has the ability and the duty to protect us from that. So, you know, you've heard, of course, you've worked with the constitutional sheriffs, and um, they're trying to get that message out to all of the sheriffs across the country. And we have the power at the local level to take our country back and not not allow the federal government to steamroll us and pass power over to the United States. I mean, United Nations, for instance, Joe Biden is actively campaigning to hand over pandemic decisions for our country to the World Health Organization formally where the World Health Organization will be able to dictate what we do the next time they decide there's a pandemic. They can try. 
But if the county government works as it's supposed to, it doesn't matter what Joe Biden does. The sheriff, the county commissioners, the county department of health can all say, nope, no, thank you. We don't need your assistance. And that's where we will need some tremendous empowerment of those county officials to make sure they know that's what they can get done, which is exactly what we plan to accomplish with the Free Soil Coalition, which just sprung up last week as a direct result of what we did in Fort Dodge with the Midwest Property Rights uh, Movement and meeting that we took place there, Midwest Property Rights Coalition. States, I, I just announced it, and Steve King and and Tammy Kobaza and all of the folks who are involved in that Fort Dodge meeting, Rebecca, yeah. are are vital and co-founders of the Free Soil Coalition. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get the information to the counties. If a county makes a declaration that they're going to be a member or a part of the Free Soil Coalition, we're going to get the tools necessary to you at the county level that allow you to follow through on what the Constitution grants you. But here's the problem, and I just discovered this this morning, actually. If you look at the numbers, and I actually have a piece of paper somewhere that's, oh, here it is. All the numbers are written down. If you look at what has taken place through the EPA, the EPA has had a massive explosion in employees and uh, bureaucrats and staffers since January 2021. And 89% of the money that has been granted from the EPA to entities has gone to state and county officials. Now, on the surface, people might think about, well, that's good. They're getting the money to go out and do projects. No, what happens is they give you a grant, and along with the grant comes a string that says, oh, by the way, you you forfeit your constitutional authority to turn the EPA away at any turn. Because what they're doing is they're finding a way to dangle a carrot. The county or the state grabs a hold, takes a carrot, and then it's just like a hook and a fish. You got them caught. That's, That's what right. we need to avoid. There's there's historical precedent in that, too. You know, you wonder how the federal government has taken control of our public education. They started it with the school lunch programs. They said, here, we're going to give you money to feed the children. We have to we have to keep the children well fed and well nourished. Oh, thank you for the money. Oh, by the way, it strings attached. This is what you have to teach. And now we have them teaching all manner of perversion and things that we can't even talk about in polite company in the schools, right? And, so, and, and you saw what Gavin Newsom did last week on Friday. He told any school district who thought they were not going to follow the homosexuals and queers content that they want to put forth in every school, you're going to be fined $1.5 million. And their homosexual queer content comes from a guy named Milk, who was a known pedophile in San Francisco. It's not even argued. They know that he continually targeted young boys. Right. So take your kids out of public school. It's going to have to be a massive, truly, and and we have to hit them in the pocketbook. You take your kids out of the public schools, they won't be funded because the funding is directly related to headcount. Right. So it's going to take, it is going to take sacrifice on the part of families, but Pull your kids out of public schools. You are saving them from that, from pedophiles. It's incredible. It's incredible that we've gotten to this point. But our Lord did say in Matthew, I can't remember the chapter and verse, but it would be better that a millstone would be tied around your neck than to pervert even one of these, my little ones. And he was referring to, that was actually a from pagan Greek society. It was a punishment for sacrilege. In, in ancient Greece was to have a millstone tied around the neck and you're thrown into the sea 
So he was invoking, uh, you know, from a pagan government, something that was directly repugnant to uh, what they considered almighty God, you know, sacrilege. And he was equating it to, to sacrilege. So we've got it. We've got to stop, you know, sacrificing everything on the altar of tolerance. Oh, well, you know, live and let live. No, that's not what they think about us. That's not the same respect they're showing to us. Absolutely don't live and let live. We've got to defend our country, our culture, our constitution, and ultimately our God, because God's rights come before yours, mine, or anyone else's. Rebecca, the last two minutes, what do we need to most know? We need to know that we we have the ability. We still have our constitution. They are working actively to uh, to get rid of our constitution. Mark Neckler and his convention of states, and they're working at the state level. Once two-thirds of the states, I think, call for constitutional convention, we're going to get it. And they've already written several new, several editions of new constitutions. And if we're lucky, we would become a southern Canada, right, where rights don't come from God. They come from the government. The government can take them away whenever they want to. Just look what happened to the truckers during the um, during the COVID, the vaccine mandate um, protests. And um, we do have this power at, we, have, we need to preserve our constitution. We need to require that our elected officials obey their, adhere to their oath of office and respect that constitution. And we need to make sure our sheriffs know how empowered, empowered they are and that they have, we have their back. You know, that is the most prof- profound thing we, anybody has said today is we have their back. Too many times, even when it comes to the sheriff, we sit back and expe- expect the sheriff to go it alone and know all of these things. We need the, the county safety committee. You know, that's an old concept that's been lost. The, the county safety committee should be there hand in hand with the sheriff saying, we got your back. We're going to do this together. Amen. Yeah, they can't. That, we've got to get rid of that nanny state. We We just have too much. I mean, remember, things like public education, that's part of the communist manifesto, communist manifesto, graduated income tax. That's part of the communist manifesto. We need to start realizing that all of these things that we've been indoctrinated with, because, you know, once they took God out of the schools and where a lot of us are products of products of public education, once they took God out of the schools, education was no more. It was strictly indoctrination. You were taught what to think and not how to think, which is the purpose of true education, proper, virtuous thought. And um, we need to get out of that, pull ourselves out of it and wake ourselves up from this slumber that we're in, letting the nanny state take care of everything. They'll take care of it <laughs> right into your grave. Rebecca Terrell, not in age, but in wisdom, the senior editor for the New American Magazine. I, I hope you had like a carved out an extra hour, you know, once a week, once a month or something like that, because I'm suddenly going to be filling it for you. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. I appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. And it's, I appreciate so much everything that you do. With that, we've successfully journeyed down the path, connecting food producers to food consumers. For Rebecca Terrell, I'm Trent Luce. Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. 30-second spot for the National Western Stock Show coming in three, two, one. I've spent the last quarter century of my life trying to connect food producers to food consumers, and there's a place that just does it naturally. 
the history and the tradition, more importantly, the culture of the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo in Denver, Colorado each year creates that opportunity. The culture is on display of Colorado and the nation's resource providers in Denver, Colorado, January 2024. Keep track of the details and schedule at nationalwestern.com. 